Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a life-giving playlist. I'm Meg Hadle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. Uh, I am the uh, administrator of the Old Town School of Folk Music uh, Facebook group. Co-administrator, I suppose. Fantastic. Is that your primary role? My primary role. I'm also in student. the world, that's your vocational. That's my vocation. vocation. You spent some time in discernment, and you discerned a call to Facebook administration. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh god, that would be the worst call. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel. Um, <laughs> relating to the state of the world around us, Matt. Um, in my guitar class that I'm currently taking, still taking on at the Old Town School of Folk Music, going great. I'm learning lots of new skills and finding it really good. We've been playing Mad World. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm playing the riff. We're learning the riff uh, in Mad World. So that's, that's, that's been fun. Nice. I haven't listened to that song. I'll have to look out for that riff. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, t- my, my instructor was like... Um, I mean, we already had like Credence's Who'll Stop the Rain and, uh, but she was like, yeah, maybe we'll get some more protest songs for, for next time. Yeah. And then she, and then she was like, uh, for these troubled times. And I just find it, find it so interesting. All the euphemisms people <laughs> use her for what's happening in our world. I'm sympathetic. It's just, it's just fascinating to me. What uh, what should people use if not a euphemism? Matt? What should they be saying? It's <laughs> uh, a good question. It's a good question, Zach. How do you? I mean, they were talking about this on Morning Watch this morning. Our oh, good yeah. friends at Morning Watch, who uh, I believe referenced the Triduum Project, although they also used a euphemism for it because they just said that thing we did before Easter where we were live and I was like say the Triduum Project just say the words say it uh, they didn't they didn't go that far but they I guess they did a song because they got all these requests to do a song called Blind Man and they've never done it before on actual Morning Watch but they did it live for the Triduum wow. Project um, but then they did it they did it today so they had a, they had a reference but then they were talking about sin because this is how they've been talking to children about what's going on in the world is diving into sin and confession and repentance <laughs> I'm like incredible, uh, but they talked about naming, uh, naming the reality. So yeah, how do we how do we name the reality? Here's uh, here's what I wrote for my coalition, New City Parish. Uh, I said, I mean, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say the intro first. New City Parish was born amid the wind and flame of the 1992 uprising in Los Angeles. As we look around, we see again the signs of the times, a public revelation of everyday state violence that too often remains hidden, the rising up of people in anger and resolve, a stirring up of systems of injustice that had for too long been settled. So I said a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I read it, I did not mention race. I did not mention black people specifically, mm-hmm. which I probably should have done if I was really going to name it. It is challenging after I just criticized someone for using a euphemism. It's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. It is hard, man. How's, uh, how is life in, uh, South Los Angeles these days? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, without going too deeply into it, I think the work is hard is the, is the mantra of the week. And I think that the thing I am living is that when you, when you do the work, um, you, you don't come out unscathed, right? Like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to have missteps, um, but you gotta, you gotta keep at it and you gotta learn and you gotta keep listening. Um, and it's, it's just really hard. I think there is turmoil. It feels to me right now that there is turmoil at, at every level. Like obviously you open up the newspaper, you go to a protest, you can, you can see that happening. Um, 
and then in my community at St. Mark's, I think people have all these things stirred up again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you see the initial act that um, the killing of George Floyd that you know brings up the pain. Um, of things I've been having for a even though it's um... so. Also, people are, I think, um, equally pained to see. Like, I don't want to talk about looting because I mm-hmm. think it's stupid to focus on because right. it is such a small, tiny part of what's going on. But I think people see it and they worry that it's going to drown out the message. Mm-hmm. And I think people are really worried about that. I think they're just really worried that it's going to drown out the message. Um, so there's that. Um, and then I think just doing the work, like the turmoil inside, like you got to deal with all of it and you're not going to process all that publicly because nobody needs to hear that. But mm-hmm. like, it's a lot to carry all the time. And so we have to take care of ourselves in the midst of it. So yeah, that's how things are going, Zach. So even <laughs> though, uh, crazily, it's 92 is almost 30 years ago. Uh, most of St. Mark's was now was around then. Yeah, a lot of people. The difference, the biggest difference people will say is that, uh, and this is really interesting, um, at least in Los Angeles, is that at that time, St. Mark's was in the epicenter of um, of the unrest, of the uprising, of everything that was going on. The shopping center across the street from St. Mark's went up in flames and burned down. Uh, and what is there now was rebuilt in the aftermath um, of 92. Right now... Our neighborhood is quiet <laughs> because they've strategically decided to have the marches in wealthier areas. So by the Grove, um, in Santa Monica, in Beverly Hills. Um, now, the Black Lives Matter organizers did not organize looting to happen in those areas. That's just where the protests were. And so people took advantage of that. But I think it is very, it's been very intentional. And they've been upfront about this, that they've chosen to do the protests um, elsewhere um, so as not to hurt the communities that are already affected by the police violence, which is just a really interesting, amazing strategic move. So that's been the biggest difference that people have raised up. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question, Matt? Sure. Oh, fantastic. Um, I wonder, one of the things I'm wondering in my particular context and setting, um, which is in a a very white place, right? In a very white university. We have 30,000 students, and the last time I saw the census, 654 of them were black. Um, I feel the tension of... Um, and you hear very clearly the the need for white people to do the, the race work themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and also, right, the need... To, for me as a, a white person is in particular to, to recede a bit in these times, right? To make space for, for people to, to tell their own story and stuff, right? Um, yeah. And I'm okay. I mean, I'm not, a, like, I'd rather have resolution, of course. But uh, intellectually, at least, I'm okay with having to live with some tension. Um but these days I feel myself caught up in that, right? Um, like, I have not... I'm thinking, I have not... Luther Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder has not released an official statement on this stuff, right? Um, I think I might write a, a note to, to our student list um, starting to feel compelled to do that. But I'm, but I'm going to think a lot about it and who I'm writing to and, like, recognizing that we're a very white group and a very white campus. So, yeah, there's tension there. Does that make sense? Like, what am I supposed to do? There is. There is. Is that the question? What are you supposed to <laughs> I do? I guess that is what the question is. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that tension is, um, yeah, that's exactly what I've been, been living this week. I just don't think there's a perfect answer because um, I've I've – heard the same thing and I, I recognize the same thing and and really struggle with that and receive mixed messages but I think I think the mixed messages are all true right mm-hmm. it's like all the same stuff that we talk about theologically where like both things can be true and you're living in a tension a paradox and uh, when you get up to speak uh, you know it's like trying to get up to speak about the Trinity and uh, 
because what you're never gonna do it perfectly you know like mm-hmm. if something you say is gonna be uh, off but you're gonna do the best you can anyway because you're called to speak and i think that i think that's the work right it's like we we're called to continue to act as best we can we step forward we step back it's a dance uh and there's no perfection to it like <laughs> it's just it's gonna be rough but it's it's got it's it's still gotta happen like we still have to keep moving forward I don't know if that sounds cliche, but I just I feel like I've been living that really deeply this week. Um, but I don't want it to to paralyze me, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's gotta I've, I've gotta keep moving, even though it's it's rough. <laughs> it's paradoxical. Mm-hmm. It's tension. There's tension um, just everywhere for good reason. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it's, there's tension. There's tension, but it shouldn't stop us. The tension shouldn't uh, stop us from living and acting. Um, and uh, to use the most overused Luther quote, <laughs> I mean that is that is sin, that is what sin boldly is, right? Isn't it like to continue to like? Um, it isn't the 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 shallow way people use it to like, yeah, just do whatever and ask for forgiveness. No, it's like continuing to live in faith um, in the midst of the tension and um, knowing you won't ever get it 100% right. Yeah. So. That's my answer. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> Maybe it'll be helpful to one of our listeners. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, simple... I mean, this is not a podcast, I think, that supports Luther quoting in general. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think Simboldi is right, you know? I think... And I think it's particularly... Perhaps it is particularly important to us in this time and place, because I don't know if individuals, at least personally, I can't... Imagine that, like, my parents, when they were my age, were nearly as concerned about the optics of everything they did mm. uh, versus, like, I need to be kind. Like, um, I'm, maybe this is just my anxiety, right? But I'm very aware of the things I put or do not put on social media uh, sure. and how I engage that. Um, sure. Sure. No, I think that's, I mean, that's real. Like, yes. Um, I've tried to make a really conscious shift this week that is probably not at all noticeable because I'm such a no I would say social media expert but let's be honest I don't know how to use any of the other platforms I'm just a <laughs> extrovert uh, so I make Mark Zuckerberg really rich. Extrovert. that's very I, true I make very I true. make Mark Zuckerberg very wealthy uh, well he's a good I'm guy rich. so that's okay <laughs> sure sure <yes. laughs> neighbor of friend of the really, pod Greg Schaefer <laughs> I, I think in the past I've I've been more I've done more for optics and I think that this week I've tried to make it just feels so deep that I've tried to make this conscious shift toward doing the works that I feel like I could I feel like I could honestly say this week that like the stuff that I put on Facebook is like the tip of the iceberg of the work that I'm actually doing mm-hmm. and that's probably how it should be right now yeah. especially for me as a as a white person you still gotta make statements sometimes like the mm-hmm. the thing I told New City Parish was look if the Walt Disney company can put out a black lives matter image, you know, like surely we can put something out, you know, yeah. and it's not going to fix everything. And maybe it, you know, but like it, it's a small thing that's going to take 10 minutes, but it, you know, and then we have to go do the work. Like it's, it's the tip of the iceberg of the work that we actually have to do. And that work is real. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to claim my time to also say, here's, Here's here's what else I've seen on the ground uh, here in Los Angeles. I don't know who listens to this podcast, <laughs> but if you haven't been paying attention, nonviolent direct action works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because what has happened, what I what I've seen happen, even just today. So like a month ago, uh, Los Angeles released their city budget in the midst of the pandemic, and they had to adjust the budget, and they cut like everyone's salary. They cut all these departments, they were gonna cut all these social services, but you know who didn't have anything cut? The police department. Instead, the police department got a raise. Yeah. <laughs> and and I remember listening to uh, local like news podcasts about that analysis podcast that were like, this is crazy, like, why are we doing this? But like, politicians didn't care because nobody was raising it. Um, nobody was talking about that. And now, the after a week of protests, the issue has been forced to the point where like the mayor is talking about we're going to cut 100 million dollars from the police department's budget and reallocate it 
to investing in communities. That is one small thing. Like that alone is not the issue. Like let's just cut the funding for police department. Like it's much bigger than that. But the fact that we're having that conversation at all has only come about because nonviolent direct action forced that conversation, like made us talk about something that we didn't want to talk about. And that, that I think is the point, right? Is to keep moving things, these things forward. I, when I've, I was doing a lot of reading about um, the 1960s and, and things that happened after things that happened there. You know, nothing is fixed, but it's like in these moments of crisis. Like I read something that said, like after after King was killed um, in '68, Lyndon Johnson was able to push through the fair housing bill, and it was because of that moment of crisis, right? Like he was able to leverage that and say, "Look, like we have to do something about this," and you're able to then like move a couple more yards up down the field. And so like these moments of crisis, the moments of, of direct action, um, forcing the issue, however that happens, this is, this is how it works. Like people think change happens just because you like ask politely, but like really, um, this is how it works. So sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now, but. Let me, let me pull mine over here, Matt. Um, uh, <laughs> something we don't necessarily do that much on the podcast, but I thought might be helpful to do this week. Is is maybe I want to give some folks some some interesting stuff that I found uh, on the internet that might make good preaching illustrations in the weeks to come, uh, and I'm going to do that by tying together two podcasts uh, that have nothing to do with preaching uh, or each other, to be quite honest. And that's to say, one of my reflections this week is, well, here you go, Matt. I listen from time to time to a podcast called Men and Blazers, uh, which is a podcast. That you should really listen to like it's principally <laughs> I, I do every four years during the world cup I, right i so i here's the deal i don't really listen to them that much because they're so english premier league center it's a soccer podcast it's two uh uh english born guys who are naturalized american citizens uh who cover uh soccer uh in the united states and are in the tv business um so they have this well most of the time it's two premier i don't care that much about the premier league and that's all they talk about so uh, I've listened to them a lot lately since the Premier League has been high on hiatus uh, because they have these really interesting perspectives uh, as people who love the United States um, but also have the ability to put some distance and perspective on on the experiences we take as just uh, a part of, you know, uh, how's the water, water. Um, and Roger this week had an excellent insight, or not excellent, he had a helpful insight to me at least. Uh, where he talked about that one of the things they know in Europe is that uh, the history of a country is always there. Uh, it's oh, not yeah. it's not some other place or world or universe, right? The history of a place, for good or, or bad, is always just under the surface. Um, and we do work to change and stuff, but it's always there. Like it doesn't uh, doesn't leave. Uh, and that perhaps we as a country are not, one, not old enough to to know that yet. But also, I'd, I'd like to talk about a, a founding, maybe not a founding, but an American myth that's central to, to American like theology, which is that America is this place, the United States is this place of new beginnings. And that's deeply rooted in our identity as a Calvinist Protestant place, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> because the, our theology says you can leave the past behind. I'm quoting Frozen now, so i got to be careful. Uh, the past is not the past. Um, but it's so central to our thinking that, like, oh, no, what happened in the past, I get a clean slate. It has no effect over me anymore. And that's simply not true. Yeah. 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 No, so I, wanna, I, I, yeah. It's, yes. So I want to tie that together with uh, uh, something I learned last week off of a podcast that has nothing to do with soccer and is quite serious and not very funny at all. Uh, the NPR podcast Through Line had an episode a few weeks ago on conspiracy theories. Uh, and uh, it's Sam Adams, Matt. We talked about this offline before. But Sam Adams, the guy who the beer is named after, uh, former governor of Massachusetts, one of the quote-unquote founding fathers of the United States, uh, really was a propagandist. Uh, more than anything. Um, and he printed tons of pamphlets. There's, uh, he stirred up a lot of like, uh, stuff that, that incited violence. He, pr he produced uh, counterfeit like orders from the British army that said they were going to, uh, 
uh, attack Boston and, and circulated those. And I don't want to talk about like instigating public violence and stuff, right? But in a lot of ways, it did stir up things on false pretenses that led to the Boston Massacre. Um, one of the central things, though, to his and a lot of the other founding fathers' propaganda uh, was that we needed to fight Britain because Britain planned to enslave us. Like, that was the heart of it, was we can't be made slaves. Uh, we've got to fight, right? Uh, and that is insane, right? It is yeah. insane. Yeah. that The central, yeah. like, and to think about that is like, this is what led to our, our establishment yeah. as a country, is our desire not to be slaves, uh, not right. to be the people. <laughs> while we were slave, like, while we were building it's, the empire yeah. on slaves, um, yeah. And that is insane. And it's a Girardian like field day, like uh, yeah. of scapegoating and like mimesis and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's not. Yeah. But what, what Roger helps me to helps me to, to, to reflect on it. No, is that I can, that's always going to be who this in some sense that will that will always be with us. We don't get to leave that behind ever. Um, yep. And yep. so um, to turn it uh, so that it's not a friend of the podcast uh the vinyl professor who lives with matt uh is not a preacher so has, doesn't have to do good news so if you want the saddest history class you've ever taken uh <laughs> sign up take some online classes at la uh, city college and uh the vinyl professor will help you out uh unfortunately i'm not a professor i'm a preacher so i've got to spend some good news uh but that's the important part of the preacher here is right like we also tell these but that's why we tell these bible stories over and over again we don't get to say that's not us anymore uh, and that's not God anymore. Um, so you can, I think you can do the work of saying, you know, original sin and we're also, the, we're still the people of God. Um, the past yeah. is not the past. Yeah. 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 All of that. Um, and think twice next time you drink that yeah. Sam Adams Oktoberfest. All right. Uh Yes. So, uh... Also, Britain had no plans to enslave the American colonists. What's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Britain had no plans to enslave American colonists, so it's completely made up. And a manifestation of their um, Girardian (laughs) self-anxieties. Yeah, so that's what... So our bishop, uh, my bishop, Guy Irwin, uh, who is a historian of Europe, really of the Reformation, but... uh, does a lot with German history, right? And so one of the things that he says a lot is that, like, Germany has such a different relationship with its history than America does. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, yeah, this thing happened. Yep, we're pretty upfront about it. We're going to build all these things that say it happened. Whereas uh, we have just such a different approach where it's like, that was in the past. Like, we have to forget, like, <laughs> it's just, it is. Just like, I mean, it's exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, and I hear it from my bishop all the time. Um, so the vinyl spouse... Uh, I just I keep quoting her all week. I wonder if she can hear me. Probably not. Chris. Uh, so she sent she sent a message to her students. So uh, <laughs> are we gonna so read this it? Is one of the this is fantastic. Yeah, we okay. are. Because okay. it's not as it's not as bleak okay. as it was. I think I heard an earlier copy one, that was pretty pretty intense. I'm gonna say one thing that's pretty bleak, but that because uh, you were talking about slavery, and she said, uh, I think she's quoting a essay here, but she says. Um, Force and violence have always been used as weapons to defend liberty because, as John Adams once said in reference to the colonists' treatment by the British, quote, this is a John Adams quote, brother we won't of Sam. be their ne- <laughs> Brother of Sam. Mm-hmm. So as John Adams once said in reference to the colonists' treatment by the British, this is the quote, quote, we won't be their Negroes. And that's what John Adams said about America and Britain. So, uh, yeah. Yep. What you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what, I mean, that this is, this is America to quote the Donald Glover song, Charles Gambino <laughs> song that we talked about at length last year. Um, but she also said this, we, we talked a little bit about the stories that we tell, um, at my Bible study last night, we were talking about the first chapter of Genesis. And I, I talked about this when we talked about on the podcast that um, Rachel Held Evans has this really nice, you know, like fictional creative writing piece, but where she contrasts the story of Marduk and the story of uh, of the Jewish the Jewish God in Genesis, right? Um, 
and just these two very different stories and what they have to say about God and what they have to say about us and and all of that and these different stories that we tell. Um, and so what Chris said, <laughs> this is less bleak. She says, uh, we know from the work we have done in this class that racism has been central to U.S. history and so have voices of protest. People of color have continuously fought to hold America to its promises of freedom and equality. And that work continues. Um, and then I'm going to read this other thing that she texted me. So, And then here is a quote um, from a black author about the same thing. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, who worked on the, did the 1619 Project in the New York Times. Uh, and she said this, through centuries of black resistance and protest, we, black Americans, have helped the country live up to its founding ideals. And not only for ourselves, black rights struggles paved the way for every other rights struggle, including women's and gay rights, immigrant and disability rights. Without the idealistic, strenuous, and patriotic efforts of black Americans, our democracy today would most likely look very different. It might not be a democracy at all. And I think, um, I think that speaks to the different stories that we tell and what perspectives we tell them from and how hearing them from a completely different perspective just changes the way that we understand scripture, changes the way that we understand how God works, uh, changes the way that um, we understand the world. So hopefully sometimes we bring that perspective on this podcast. <laughs> hopefully we continue to be, to be held to it. So yeah. yeah, let's talk about that story. Let's talk about it, man. So Matt, we- so, yeah. What do you want to do? This is where professional <laughs> podcasts would have like an outline or something the they'd be following, but summer, you can see we don't. The summer of Genesis. It's back three years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, a semi-continuous series. We could have done the complimentary one, but it's just so much fun to read through Genesis because there's such good stories. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, we've got Genesis 18, 1 to 15, and 21, 1 to seven um i don't know how, i don't know how to summarize it so should i just read it let's do yeah, it yeah this story matt i want to say to me to you yeah go and to me um what a interesting unheralded story um i didn't know what i was reading until i got to the part at the end that's really familiar so um yeah read it i don't think everybody knows i didn't know this story very well Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. And so they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, net it and make sourdough bread. No, make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, just there in the tent. And the one said, I will surely return to you in due season. And your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old, and my husband is old. Shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Oh, yes. Yes, you did laugh. And then we move ahead to chapter 21, which must be nine months later. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, 
And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Word of God, word of life. Matt, this is a sultry reading here. Ooh, yeah. Um, I had, I I too had written down the sourdough joke in my notes. Um, But another one. It was right. It's obvious. You can make that preacher. I always get disappointed as a preacher. I don't get to read the Old Testament. Like, I feel like there should be, in the next version of ELW, there should be an accommodation for, because so, they don't do it justice. Anyway, um, the Oaks of Mamre uh, is a band name for sure, right? And if we are making, <laughs> yeah. and I think we're onto something here, Matt. We haven't merged in years. I think we've got some new merch coming out now. Uh, Oaks of Mamre, I think we could find a cool band name shirt. But it gets better, Matt. I just did it. I clicked the buttons, if you heard my clicking. Uh, Mamre uh, is, according to Strong's Concordance, uh, related, comes from Mara, which uh, gets translated as lusty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In places, gets uh, it means like to flap or to lift up, and it... In places where it's used, it's it's used in euphemistic sense, but also sometimes it's translated as filthy. Uh, so, that's incredible. Right? The Oaks of Mamre <laughs> is the name of our band, Matt. I don't know what we're playing, but we're going to have merch for sure by those lusty oaks. Wow. Oh. Yeah, it's all, it's all right there, isn't it? I had forgotten... Uh, I thought she just laughed because she was going to have a kid, but it's also, shall I have pleasure? (laughs) She's not just having pleasure. This is a sex positive reading. Going on here. Dear preacher, I'm not sure that this Sunday is the Sunday to go sex positive sermon because there's a lot of other things going on that you might want to spend your your capital on. But but if you need it, it's here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the the literal translation of laughed is is probably a little more appropriate as like a mocking, like mocked God. Yeah. Um, not like a hmm, but more of a. <laughs> yeah, well, the laughter, and I forgot about. So there's the laughter there, um, which I would expect would be a a mocking laugh, but then at the end, it doesn't say that she's laughing, but. Um, I mean, she just says, God has brought laughter for me. But like, but like, you can almost hear them laughing about this whole thing. Like, who would ever have said this? Like, it just like, and you could just, it's just, it's this just this kind of heartwarming scene at the end. But it plays with laughter throughout, right? Where it goes mm-hmm. from this like mocking, just cynical laughter to like, it's almost like from cynicism to like a life-giving kind of laughter. It's really, it's a lovely story and very adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... Right, it's uh, why it might be here, even though it's in the continuous, semi-continuous kind of version, is the the hospitality piece here aligns with the threats of Sodom and Gomorrah in the gospel, uh, and the lack of uh, the lack of hospitality in 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 Sodom. Um, a way, I think, to a piece of how I might push towards good news on this is uh, God's. Um, is the promise of this uh, miraculously, wonderfully expanding uh, definition of the family, the people of God. Um, That the hospitality is extended to these strangers who show up in the Oaks of Lust. Uh, Which, I don't know what these euphemisms mean. Wow, I didn't think about... Wow, every layer is is more interesting. Yeah. Uh, But they their extended hospitality and then miraculously like the family grows beyond um, beyond anyone's imagined limits um, 
I mean, you could you yeah. could substitute that kind of the like I know the biological like having children thing is can be can be really tricky, uh, but but how it makes sense in my head is with is Sarah's laugh, the mocking of of God would be the same mocking as as Jesus saying like the um, the Ammonite, Ammonites are the Elamites are are part of are people who God cares for. Um, yeah, that is a really good angle um, for this week to really focus in on that um on the arrival of these strangers the the insider outsider groups and then i think the way that like it's interesting the they show hospitality to the strangers which is like a huge contrast but she still doesn't believe them (laughs) you know like and i think there's like there's like a mixed bag in that too it's like the tension that you're talking about where it's like it's a both and right like it's not like they're um so when we when we hear the voices of people that we may not know or may not have the same experience of, do we believe them? <laughs> um, and I think you could, I think you could do some things with that. Yeah. Good, good stuff. I mm. like this story. It is good. And you got stuff for the gospel, dear listener. Design some uh, Oaks of Memory merch for us, and we'll we'll make it happen. Or I'll make. Megan do it or I ask Megan to do it. I'll assign that as part of her work Megan and my uh, prog- our program coordinator uh, who I love dearly who's going to do some house sitting for me here recently recently came over and we had some socially distanced conversation while I was giving the, the run through of the house uh, we had a very long constructive like brainstorming session it's our 75th anniversary of campus ministry in Boulder uh, and it was really helpful um, before she left Megan was like oh yeah about the whole like work thing <laughs> I don't even remember what she said after that, but it was like, it was really enjoyable to me that my, that your employee would come up and be like, Hey, about the whole work thing, uh, God, uh, it was highly enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. feel free to share that with your council presidents, uh, preachers Good. about this whole work thing. Uh, Matt, we're living in a pandemic. I don't know if you know about this. This is uh, what week twelve, I think week thirteen of 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 quarantine, of stay at home, of safe at home, uh, and it's hard times out here, especially for podcasters. People are not in their cars listening to podcasts. Our numbers uh, are down significantly, Matt, and so we need to take a cue this week because the writer of the Gospel of Matthew knows how to get them clicks, Matt. Because the writer of the Gospel of Matthew knows how to do a good listicle. Uh, so this week in the Gospel, we have a listicle of all the disciples. Uh, but yes. first, uh, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Cities and villages, Matt. He did no discrimination. Into the, he went to Arlington Heights. He went to Chicago. Both of them. Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Curing some diseases. Just kidding. All of them. And pantos. Every sickness. Uh, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And that is that that word that comes up from time to time that's really fun. Uh, that means he was literally stirred in his noble innards, his heart, his liver. Uh, there's some noble innards and some less noble innards. Jesus' noble ones moved because he's so, so filled with compassion. Uh, because these crowds were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure, again, every disease and every sickness. And then we stop for a listicle because this is a slideshow. This is how you should do it Uh, when you're doing your Zoom worship. You should present it like PowerPoint slides and have like a little button and you have to click to go to one disciple to the next. And you got to wait for the web page to load. And it's full of ads of pictures. And the picture that lured you to click on it in the first place is the very last slide. And it's not in the context at all in which it was presented. Uh, And so we click the first slide. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother James. I mean, Andrew, excuse me. Uh, James, of course, son of Zebedee and his brother John, the sons of thunder. Philip and Bartholomew, Bartholomew, who came as a pair. We have some pairs here. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Phaeus, Phaeus, Thaddeus, Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanian and Judas Iscariot, uh, who is the one who betrayed him. Then we go back to the article. 
these 12, uh, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, which is a strange thing for Jesus to say. Do not, uh, we got Lion King opening, opening scene here. Do not go among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Which, again, you don't picture Jesus saying, like, don't hang out with Gentiles and Samaritans. But here you go. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Again, cure the sick. Matt, I don't know if this is in your letter call, but it was in the letter call for these disciples. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Uh, I introduced Matt to something that my internship supervisor introduced to me, which is your pastor's report. Uh, you break it down how your letter of call works. Uh, and so you get to report on the things you did for this part of the letter of call and that part, so on and so forth. Uh, I need to add <laughs> raising the dead uh, to my, my report so that I can have a bullet underneath yeah. it that says no resurrections right? this week. Uh, you received without payment, give without payment. Uh, and then you can keep going for a long time uh, where you do the things about take no gold or silver or copper or any minerals in your belts, no bags, no. Uh, you do get uh, two tunics, right? Or one tunic. It's confusing. Two tunics. Two tunics, sandals. Or sandals or a staff for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter in, find out in it who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Uh, and if you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, this worthy word gets repeated a couple times, which is interesting. Let your peace come upon it. But if not, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your word, shake the dust from your feet as you leave that town. And truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Uh, and so there, I'm going to say that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, man, you got to stop there? I'm going to stop there. Um, <laughs> it just gets worse. Somehow it gets worse from there. Um, it started to beat some horses. I'd probably cut it off there if I was if I was choosing. And here's the thing. Here's the big thing that I've learned, Matt. Uh, the part that I think can really open this text up is I really was struck. I am struck that Jesus tells them not to go to the Gentiles and not to go to the Samari Samaritans. Um and at first, I'm like, well, I guess that's just a Gospel of Matthew thing, because we tend to think that the Gospel of Matthew was written to a particularly Jewish audience. But I did a little, I did a little, you're not going to believe this, Matt, I did a little Greek work, did a little bit of Greek work, uh, and I looked up this word for lost, the go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, and nobody, I mean, I, I really challenge any podcast out there to care more in love agrarian metaphors about sheep more than this podcast does. Uh, but you're not going to be able to find it. I challenge you. Send us, you know, the vinyl preacher uh, at gmail.com. Send me evidence of a podcast that cares more about sheep than we do. You can't do it. Uh, nevertheless, I looked it up. And the word lost here is used lost very often, but just as much and, and certainly a little bit more. That word for lost gets translated as uh, the first definition when you go to Brown Driver's Briggs, I believe it is, is uh, the destroyed, the perished, the killed. Um, and that changes this text significantly for me. Go to the ones in your own house whom you have destroyed, uh, the ones who've been kill against seriously killed, uh, who have perished. Um, because lost makes it sound like, you know, the, go to the, the misfits, the bad ones who've made bad choices, the, the ones who've right. wandered away. No, go to the ones who've been crushed by, uh, by go to your people who you have chosen to crush. Uh, and I think that it's got a whole lot to say this week. Yeah. 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 Amen. Way to find that uh, translation. I would not have I would not have gathered that just from lost. But it changes it. That's why you come to the vinyl preacher. Absolutely. So what would you say about that? How would you how would you turn that into good news? That's great. Great question, man. Uh, I think that's certainly going to be the challenge for preachers this week, uh, especially preachers in white pulpits, um, to dig yourself out of the holes, because you could dig... The ground's real soft right now. You can dig some real deep holes. Um, and you need to dig some holes. 
Uh, but you got to have some light shining down into them at the very least. I think, I think where I would go with this is to go. I, I might even touch on that other sheep. I'd use another sheep metaphor, uh, which is Jesus uh, telling the parable about searching for the lost sheep. That Jesus goes to to, um, to find the leaves the ninety nine to find the one. Uh, and, and I think that's principally, for me, my take on that is that it's principally a concern for the whole. What Jesus desires is not to risk the 99, but to make the sheep whole. Um, and I think that's where the good news starts to come in here. That this work, uh, the work of, of racial justice, is the work that needs to be done. Not because you're all been bad little boys and girls, uh, even though that's, and other people, uh, even though that's that's pretty true, um, that's not why this work needs to be done. This work needs to be done because God desperately wants us to be made whole, and these are your people, and you are their people, um, and that I think that's that's the that's the edge of good news that I would try to, to the groove of good news I would try to to find in my sermon this week. Yeah, that's good. I'm stuck on that digging, digging the hole <laughs> metaphor. And you know, this time when you said it, like I wanted to go to a different place, which is that like when we dig that hole, it's not really about climbing out of the hole, uh, like Batman in The Dark Knight Returns or Rises. In The Dark Knight Rises, that's what it is. Uh, um, Zach doesn't watch superhero movies, so he wouldn't know the reference. But Dark Knight uh, Returns, then rises. He has to climb out of this hole. He's got broken back. It's a whole thing. Forever. Anyway, we don't dig the hole just so we, like, the goal is not climbing out of the hole, but it's like, when you dig the hole, like, God is with you in the hole. Mm-hmm. That God is with us uh, in that pit <laughs> that we've dug if we go there. Right? It's like the work excavation. Isn't done. It's like Indiana Jones. It's like, yeah, it's like x well. And yet, Indiana Jones is a real looter, isn't he? Like, we're going to talk about looters. Looter. He's kind of the ultimate, like, looter. Somebody had Man. a great post this week that was like, um, yeah, we also do looting, but sometimes we, like, we charge you to see the stuff that we've looted. <laughs> you know, like, like, it was a whole thing. And I was like, that's... Oh, dear listeners, please send us memes of Indiana Jones looting. Indiana Jones, Henry yeah. Indiana Jones looting. Chicago's own. Yeah. He's Chicago's own. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but it, it is like excavation. Like, this is where the work is done, right? Like, if you're going to go to the crushed, the destroyed, the killed, um, the perished, like, that's where, if you want to be a part of the, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, if you want to see this curing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting the demons, it doesn't happen on the surface of things. Mm-hmm. It only happens when you start to excavate. And that's where we're going to find God in the midst of it. That's where we're going to find wholeness uh, for ourselves and for the whole um that, that's where the work is done, and it is messy, and you're going to get dirt under your nails. Uh, but that's where it is. That's where the gospel is. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not up here. It's, it's down on <laughs> yeah. the excavation. There you go, preachers. Hope you found something to work with. Right. There's plenty there, man. Plenty there. What are you listening to? Mm, Matt, I uh, happened upon... Uh, I'm going to put some Kid Cudi on the playlist. Um, I was struck by that Destroy thing. I, I went down a rabbit hole on that and was looking for a good Destroy song. Uh, and Kid Cudi has a song called Too Bad I Have to Destroy You Now. Uh, which is, I think, perfectly a song right at the place you're describing. Uh, it's a song at the bottom of the hole. Uh, but on its way out of the hole. Um, so check it out. It's fun. It's good. Uh, then I'm going to go Nina Simone. Uh, I wish I knew how it would be to, f- how it would feel to be free. Uh, and then Matt, um, protest songs are important. I, uh, you know, I'm a big fan here. The podcast is a big fan of, of Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger, but I'm going to go Dylan who opened up the, I have a dream speech, uh, deal at the March on Washington, uh, I'm going to go Hurricane. Really? Yeah, he opened that up. Uh, and gosh, Hurricane, which Dylan does not perform, which is incredible, which is something, uh, which tells the story, of course, of, uh, of uh, Reuben Carter, 
the hurricane boxer who was um, framed for murder. Uh, it was written in 19... It was produced in 1976, Matt. Like, and it is a very believable eight-and-a-half-minute song to describe what happened to him. Uh, he eventually yeah. was, was uh, acquitted much oh. later on. But uh, yeah. how presci- prescient... You know, almost yep. 50 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. In my research, it is a great song. The... first came to my attention, I want to say, when I was in college and that movie came out with Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. I discovered that song. It's, it is, it's good. It's Not fun. all protest songs are, like, really good, but that's a, it's really, like, it's a good song. Like, yeah. it's good. Um, I didn't realize until recently that he's using like the names of the cops like that's their names and the he uses he calls them out by name and like i thought it was more of like a you know an artistic thing uh but he's nope he calls them out by name multiple times um you know incredible how about you matt what do you listen to this week well i'm gonna do something different Ooh. uh because i've been listening to i want to just put a whole album on the playlist <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We can do that. I've been listening to I've been listening to Marvin Gaye's uh, "What's Going On." I've been oh. listening to that all all week, which I've listened to at different times in my life. Uh, it means different things. I've appreciated it in different ways, but um, but it it just it, I don't know. It's it's the thing I've been listening to over and over. And I told my music team uh, at St. Mark's about it because uh, somebody suggested a song for me I said oh it's such a good album um, and he was like yeah you know it almost didn't get released because they said well this is um, you can't talk about this stuff like people aren't ready for this like you can't you can't make something that addresses what's going on people won't um, people won't accept this and he, he pushed it through anyway and it's turned into one of the most classic albums in uh, pop music history so uh, check that out this this week um, if you need some balm uh, for your soul. Nice, that works. It's what I got. It's been real, like actually real. <laughs> it's been yeah. This is like the most. Okay, good. I found the the episode title, the most real episode in a while. <laughs> More real even than the episode on should you do virtual communion. <laughs> Remember, remember that. Remember when that was like the <laughs> that biggest was the thing, thing we were having. Like that was the real fight that we were having yeah. in the world, in the church. Mm-hmm. In the church, that was like the thing. Yeah, that was that was like a couple of years ago, right? No, it was <laughs> weeks. Time is relative, Matt. Time is relative. Who's to say how many times we've been around the sun? <laughs> well, it's been real, real, real.